0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Double View Wrestling Podcast, a weekly podcast where we are re-watching AEW from the very start. I am the retired UK Brit wrestler formerly known as Triggerman, now known as Sid. With me as always is superstar Pete Andrews.
1: Hello, I'm waving. Good for
0: radio? Join <laughs> us today as we look at Dynamite Episode 2. But yes. before we get into all of that, Pete. Hello. What is your favourite? tertiary wrestling show and what I mean by that is not your big one like Raw or Nitro or Dynamite not your second show like Smackdown or Thunder remember Thunder?
1: Sure do.
0: Or Rampage but a f- like you kind of your lesser talent you feeder show um, not necessarily a magazine format but if it's your favourite you can go with that.
1: I was always a big fan of Velocity, uh, which was early, mid-2000s because it always it tended to have matches with the, the smaller, quicker guys, hence the name. And like, I remember there was a, a multi-match run of Paul London versus Jimmy Yang and their matches were just phenomenal. And I think because it was one of those tertiary shows that wasn't maybe as managed as Raw and SmackDown and things like that are, The wrestlers could go out there and, you know, do some stuff maybe they wouldn't have the time or weren't allowed to do on the main shows. And yeah, Velocity was always really good for these banger matches that no one saw.
0: Jimmy Yang. Yes. My favourite of the tertiary shows was uh, Sunday Night Heat, or as it became known later, Heat. Yes. And that actually ran for 10 years from 98 to 2008. Wow. So there was a period where you could watch Heat and Velocity in the same week.
1: Nice. That's that's a good week of wrestling, isn't it? Yeah. I like that.
0: But it's, it, I like that you mentioned the series of matches, because that's one of my favourite things about Heat, was you had a series of matches. for. It was about five weeks where you had Malenko, mm. who was kind of mentoring Crash Holly. And then on like the fifth week, Crash Holly got a win against Malenko. Just a great series of match. It all told a story and kind of stepped up and elevated it. Kind of like... RVD and um, Jerry Lynn, but without people watching it.
1: Yeah, I think he had um, the Christian thing where he was going for the the light heavyweight title, and he had to drop weight, so he had like wore a chicken suit, and someone said, "Oh, it's Kurt Angle's chicken suit that he used to." train for the Olympics, and Chris was like, oh, if it it worked for Kurt Angle, excellent, then later on Kurt Angle walks up and goes, oh, my chicken suit. Just silly stuff like that. Yep, that's on my
0: list. That's one of my favourite bits. He loses like two pounds in a single episode, gets to the match, and then he can't do anything Mm. because he's knackered. It's brilliant. You had Triple H defending the belt against Hardcore Holly, like the actual World Championship belt, back when they had a reasonable number of World Championship belts. (laughs) And, And of course, it gave us the debut of Trish and Lita. Yes. Turned women's wrestling around, but not SA Rios, he just stayed on heat.
1: Yeah, he just he just stayed there. We
0: we didn't want him, just you can sit there. <laughs> like I loved Rios, because it was like a oh, week one, oh wow, top rope off the top rope, Hurricane Rana. Week two, it's like, ah, top rope Hurricane Rana. Week three, it's like top rope Hurricane Rana. <laughs> yeah. Week four is like top rope Hurricane Rana.
1: Yeah, and then week six, oh they've hired Eddie Guerrero now. Um, <laughs> don't need SA Rios. See ya. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: So, tonight, Episode 2. Pete, where are we? When are we? What are you wearing?
1: <laughs> I'm wearing a Superman dressing gown and jogging bottoms. Brilliant. But we are on the 9th of October 2019 in Boston, Massachusetts, at the, I think it's Aganis Arena it's pronounced. Um, not a huge place, um, but attendance is 6,000 exactly Is the recorded attendance. probably not exactly 6,000, but that's what it's listed at.
0: And it was a thirty-minute sellout, and very happy about that they were too. Yeah, I bet. So on the commentary team, as normal, it's it's pretty much the fixed dynamite team: yep. Tony, Jim, and X. <laughs> so we're going to go straight into the first match now because they wasted no time getting into it on the show. We are opening with Young Bucks versus Private Party, and this is a tag team tournament qualifier.
1: It is the first official match for the tournament. Obviously, we can't count the buy match because. Why would you?
0: So we've seen Private Party, they've done a lot of kind of pre-show stuff. They've had a little bit of uh, stuff on the actual cards. Mm -hmm. Um, We obviously know the Young Bucks. We have a few tag teams at ringside, including SCU and Hybrid 2.
1: SCU and Hybrid 2.
0: Oh, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. That's good.
1: That's my weekly wrap for you.
0: My question for you is, uh, watching the entrances to this match. Mm Mm-hmm. Have the young bucks ever been sponsored by an energy drink?
1: No, they should have. Um,
0: they should. They should be a bucks energy drink. Yeah. It should be. Um. It should have a super kick to it.
1: Nice. Yes. Red. Red buck instead of Red Bull.
0: Ah, oh, that's good. That's good. My other question is: Has there ever been an AW music compilation CD? You remember CDs for 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 younger <laughs> listeners. They, uh, they used to be what we put sounds on mm. digitally.
1: No, I don't think they've had a CD release, but you, all their entrance themes are on Spotify and Apple Music and the music streaming sites. I know that much for a fact. But yeah, I don't think they've done a CD. They should. Yeah, or a record, because everyone loves those again now. So do an AW vinyl.
0: Vinyl does outsell CDs. So, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely right. So much neon on the young Bucks. Oh, yes. Uh, on their on their ring outfits this match. It's like an early 90s toy. Mm. It's like that kind of that awkward period of GI Joe. Yeah. So Pete, what were your thoughts on this match?
1: So yeah, I thought it was a good one. It was a nice long match, uh, 13 and a half minutes. Uh, but from the get-go it was very much a a match to to showcase private party they had that match a couple of weeks back that we discussed it was kind of a bit of a showcase for them but this one like the commentators and the the package leading into it very much was like you probably don't know these guys but you know they're they're an up and coming team as they've got a big upside to them so that they're the ones to watch and it, it really was it i mean having a new ish team like private party in there with the bucks and private party being able to hang you know they they were, they're, they're just as quick as the Bucks can be, um, maybe not quite as crisp but that's to be expected um, but yeah I thought it was great, I thought it was a really good match for for both teams really and it was an exciting match that, um, that yeah you might not, when you saw it going in you might well I don't really know Private Party, I don't know what it's going to be but it quickly told the story that you know these two teams are going to try and one-up each other Both very quick, both very explosive teams, and it it got the fans into it very quickly.
0: Yeah, it's a great opening match, because straight away, your crowd are thinking, wow, if this is the first match, what's Mm. the rest of the show going to be like? Which is what you want, uh, as we always say every week. Uh, There's some bits to look out for in a match uh, that amused me, or just points of interest. Um, Mark Quinn, obviously wrestling in tails. Yes. Um, Great high-octane defence from him throughout. He gets some real good height. On some of his top rope moves, he's and it always looks like he hangs in the air for a second or yeah. two. Yeah, he's got that kind of um, that RVD talent. It's <laughs> just like, yep how's he how's he still up there? Definitely look out for the um, young buck, Matt. Well, I've got him written down as as Mark Young Buck here. <laughs> I like so, it. So, um, no, yeah. <laughs> Matt Jackson does a great sunset flip running powerbomb over the top ropes to to the outside and then runs him all the way up to the (laughs) ramp and then splats him down. That was very good. Yeah, that was cool. Um, One of the more asinine chants from the crowd, tag team wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. It's like, I drank water (laughs) or I've left the house.
1: Like imagine them doing it in like a, a one-on-one match. It's just it'd be weird, wouldn't it? So why are you chanting? What it is? Yeah, it's a strange, strange little chant that.
0: It is odd. One on one. <laughs> <laughs> one fall to a finish. <laughs> yeah, it just does. I don't get it. I don't get it. This was definitely the most over I've ever seen private party, and it's one of those matches. A bit like we had a few weeks ago with the acclaimed, hmm. where you kind of sat there going, "I, I know they're not going to." I'd really like them to win this match because that's really going to surprise people and it's yeah. going to put this team over and the crowd won it. Uh-huh. And actually what was fascinating about this match was Private Party won.
1: They did, yeah. Cleanly as well. Um, yeah. Uh, quite the celebration afterwards, almost as long as the match, them running through the crowd and high-fiving everyone.
0: What I liked about that is that was actually in the first ad break. Right. So they kind of hid that from... the t- Like, if you're in... If you were in the crowd watching—that's fantastic. You're in the arena, you're live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got private party running around celebrating with everyone. If you're watching at home, you're not really—you haven't really lost anything. So I thought that was a really good cover for ads. That one, yeah,
1: definitely. And I think um, with with all elite wrestling, I think the obvious choices were like, well, the young bucks will be the first tag champs. Kenny might be the first world champ, but they they didn't do that. They they kind of let other people like have the spotlight. The, the likes of Bucks obviously eventually will become tag team champions, but they they don't need the rub to be in the first a w tag champ so yeah putting over a a new team as strongly as they did um it was good it, it you know, it showed that you know that they they got their heads on right yes they are in management they i'm sure if they said we want to win the, the tournament they would have been allowed to but it you know it set the stage for other teams and other wrestlers to get a bit of spotlight that they wouldn't normally have had.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've got Chris Jericho there and he's kind of there to Mm. please the TV executives and having him as the champ kind of means that you don't need Bucks or Kenny doing it. You can let other people get it and it gives the crowd something to look forward to, something to build to because obviously Kenny's a future champ. Mm-hmm. Young Bucks are a future champ. There's no spoilers there, come on. <laughs> I think even in twenty nineteen it was obvious that those guys were going to be champion one yes, day. Definitely. But I thought I thought this was great because okay, it, this this match itself isn't for the belts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Bucks ultimately they haven't choked at a title shot, they just got knocked out of a tournament. Yeah. But it it's wide open now. Anyone can win this.
1: Exactly. It makes it more exciting. Yeah, if you saw the Bucks going through it, it'd be like, Well, yeah, it's probably their their title to to win isn't it but yeah now it, it is anyone's ball game and it's exciting it just adds that extra layer to the tournament
0: yeah very surprising very appreciated crowd loved it i loved it like it's rare that wrestling does just surprise you in that way hmm. that was actually something that really did surprise me in this match there was another funny bit in the match as well where um obviously uh aw quite good at keeping on top of the times for the match lengths, and some people hear them, some people just can't hear them. There's a great <laughs> yeah. moment where the guy comes on the arena and he goes, 10 minutes remaining, and she just goes, What the hell was that? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> It's your conscious, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> We come back from the ad break and we get Chris Jericho coming out. Second segment of the show. Mm -hmm. He tells the crowd that the last week's show was the highest rated premiere in TNT history. It's one of those shows, um, one of those segments. You've got Jericho coming out and kind of going, hey, everyone, thank you. Also, I hate you and I think you're terrible. And I'm the only one who deserves the thanks. Yes. Like textbook Chris, he does do it better than anyone else. Does Jake Hagar think he's in the Truth Commission.
1: (laughs) I'd love to know if Jake Hagar knows what the Truth Commission is.
0: Because the rest of them are in the inner circle. Yeah. Which is sort of the point, this whole segment is, this is, like last week we saw the inner circle coming together. This yep. is the formation. This is the announcement. We are the inner circle. And Jericho just rules on the mic all the way through. Yeah. And Jake Hager, I know someone, it's not his fault. Someone has gone, just stand there and look really menacing. Mm.
1: But no one's really told him how to look menacing. He just, yeah. that's he, his definition he, he, he of it. He stood
0: there going, like, I'm going to stand here and look men." Oh, did I leave the oven on? <laughs> oh, do I need to do shopping? He's just—he's just. There's always something else running through his mind. Yeah, he's never quite fully present.
1: What's really funny about him, as well, is at the end of the segment, um, when the, sort of the music hits, he gets a bit more animated and he's like high-fiving the other guys and firing himself up a bit. It's like, well, that's better.
0: Yeah, I I noticed exactly that. It is so weird. Someone's obviously told him this is what to do, and he's just gone, okay, boss, and he's just done it to the letter. <laughs> yeah, sort of the, the detriment. Like, he is a weird one. There's a few other points uh with Jake Hagar coming up in the show, so we won't focus on too much here. This was the first time Sammy is referred to as, he's like a Spanish god. Yes, yeah. So that's, that. obviously, that becomes a thing and they run with it. Ortiz, the shorter one of the two, he is, is he trying to bite his tongue off? Yeah,
1: he's like, he sticks his tongue out and moves it from side to side, doesn't he? That was his, he, he did that. Like um, back in when he was in impact, and obviously in his early days in AEW, and he kind of dropped it after a while. I think it was he was kind of the more unhinged member of the team, and I think that's what they were trying to get across with him that he's like Santana's a bit more straight laced, maybe like, is a bit more serious, whereas yeah, Ortiz was a little bit more oh, he's on the edge, he's a bit crazy.
0: But six minutes straight, you'd expect his tongue to drop off. He was, he was, he was <laughs> yeah. really going for that, yeah. So, here's, here's my little um, observation. Sid's observations. <laughs> uh, the elite aren't winning any matches and don't have any belts. Yeah. And the inner circle aren't EVPs on the inner circle.
1: <laughs> True.
0: You could almost... Swap the names around, but obviously you wouldn't do that because the Elite is a brand at this point. Thanks yes. mostly to their hard work and talent. Exactly. But but they have got, but they have got the names the wrong way around. <laughs> I think this segment really made me appreciate, because it was a strong segment, and JR even says so. He did, goes to yep. <laughs> Imagine if this had been the opener, not Private Party Young Bucks. Imagine no. if we're kind of like 2003 Raw, mm-hmm. and it's just McMahon, Helmsley era every week. Thirty-minute promo at the top of the show wouldn't have been the same, would it?
1: No, I don't think so. It no. is
0: weird that they they did the they did the promo thing so long because, like, I get why because they're kind of trying. This is this is feeding towards the the main event match, yes. So you want to kind of get it on the ground early, but do the quick opener exactly as they did here. No complaints. First mm-hmm. two segments of the show down. No complaints from me.
1: No, all good. Went by very quick as well. Like sometimes you can watch wrestling and. In- you think you're halfway through and you're only 20 minutes in, whereas this just flew by, it was just strong stuff, wasn't it?
0: Nice segment, <laughs>
1: yes. Thanks, JR.
0: So, the second match of the night is Sloppy Jimmy, Jimmy Havoc <laughs> against Darby Allen.
1: Yeah, we had a little Jimmy Hammock. Do I call him Jimmy Hammock now? Uh, we had a little you Jimmy, Jimmy Havoc, <laughs> we had a Jimmy Havoc promo beforehand. Um, Which just ruined him, ruined his characters. Yes, obviously, we know he's British and he's got that very obvious British accent, but like he had his mask on, had all his gear on. It's like, oh, yeah, it's quite intimidating. And then he takes his mask off, starts chatting about, and then punches himself in the face. And it's like, oh, you've kind of ruined your mystique a bit there.
0: I mean, is this what we sound like when we do a podcast?
1: Probably, yeah.
0: Oh, oh, God. (laughs) Is it our accent, or is it that Americans are trained to cut promos from birth? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Because <laughs> it, it's kind of age four, pledge your allegiance to that flag, and then show and tell, do a promo in front of your whole class. Yeah, yeah. Whereas English people are more scared of public speaking than they are of dying.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: Or, there is a third option, was it just a shit promo?
1: Well, that could be, yes.
0: Um, and it looked to me like uh, Slippy Jimmy's Sloppy Jimmy's. Bold spot, had grown even more this week. It's now bigger than the rainforest. <laughs>
1: we'll keep our eye on it. See how it grows from week to week.
0: What were your thoughts on this match overall?
1: Um, Yeah, it was all right. Um, You know, it is another good Derby match. Derby Island doesn't really have bad matches, does he? It's just, it was a bit of an odd one because it was for the number one contendership and it was a bit... Too obvious. I, I just couldn't see Jimmy Ham Jimmy Hammock. I can't do it. That he's just got to be called that. Uh, it's just Jimmy Hammock. You just he didn't ever have a chance to, of winning in my eyes. You know, a Jericho Derby sort of match to transition to the pay per view was a, is a good match to to put on a Dynamite. So yeah, it seemed a little bit there was there was no real suspense to it for me. Um, it was pretty obvious that Derby was going to go over in this one. So it kind of took away from it a little bit.
0: Yeah, Jericho's all about putting over that new kind of hungry talent and making sure he still looks relevant. Going up against a 15-year-old hardcore wrestler from Britain, I don't think it's going to make anyone look good at this point. So no, no. One interesting thing I noticed about this match is, like, other than other than a coffin drop, one of which was done defensively, mm-hmm. pretty much every single move in this match was Jimmy Hammock. Uh, Jimmy Hammock, you got me doing it. <laughs> Thanks for that. And I think the only real offensive move... That you got from um, from Darby in the whole match was really the coffin drop right at the end. Most yeah. of the rest of it was just kind of staying in it and staying with it. Yes, um, obviously a lot of biting throughout the match from Jimmy No Pop. That doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be his main offensive tactic. Yeah, um, and the only good part of that is that they wrestling one at one turnabout is fair play. Yeah, when Derby bit Jimmy Hammock later in the match. The crowd responded. And that was that was sort of the highlight of the match, really. Yeah. Which is a bit weird.
1: I mean early on in the match as well, the commentators kind of made a a point that's like, Yes, you have seen these guys in hardcore matches, but they're both talented wrestlers, so they wanna show you that they can wrestle. But yeah, it was And they didn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it didn't really go that way. But that was kind of the story that I think they planned to tell and it just didn't quite go that route.
0: It's so weird because you've got that kind of over-the-top rope falcon arrow sit-out thing from Sloppy Jimmy mm. onto Derby, which just looks rough. Yeah, yeah. And then about five minutes later, he does an in-ring falcon arrow straight into a rear sleeper. It looks lovely. Yes. It's so crisp. He yeah. gets it on so nicely. And that's, that's exactly the point you were just talking about when the commentators are saying he can actually wrestle. He has mm. been trained to a very high standard. And it's just like, well, that's frustrating. He can do it. So, why yeah. not do it?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: But, hey, before we get into the end of the match... God, this is a long one. Who is your favourite? Jimmy. <laughs> is it Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Uso, Jimmy Havoc, Jimmy from South Park, Jimmy Snooker, Jimmy Valiant, Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Garvin, Jimmy Golden, Jimmy Jack Funk, Jimmy Rave, Jimmy Jacobs, or Jimmy Savile?
1: Ah, uh, can I have Jimmy Nail? Which is He's a great not on
0: the list, but <laughs> I'll give you
1: it. It's a good wrestler name as well, isn't it? Jimmy Nail. Comes out in his crocodile is, shoes and whacks people with him.
0: It's almost a shame that we're not segmenting from that to a pack match. Is yes,
1: it? Jimmy Nail managing pack.
0: Oh I imagine.
1: He's <laughs> a bit like a human lying cat, isn't he, from, from Saga? I think I've got
0: their facture name. Go on. Off we the same pack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh yeah
0: <laughs> yeah bad so okay we kind of glossed over the end of the match we said that uh, Darby Allen did get the win mm. with his Coffin Drop which puts him in line for the title shop next week so good I always like a build to the next show it doesn't always have to be building to your pay-per-view
1: no exactly yeah
0: it's just a reason to tune in Next week.
1: Exactly. And, you know, having a title match on your TV show is always a nice treat.
0: But there was one confusing thing in this match, and it's something that we need to discuss on a wider level. The commentary team mentioned that Darby beat Shima with his coffin drop last week. And I was like, when was that? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) So uh, we should really mention that in between... Obviously, it would have been filmed the same night as Dynamite Episode Mm 1. But in between Episode Dynamite 1 and Dynamite 2... There was the first episode of AEW Dark, which there went was. out on YouTube completely free. Yeah. Um. Do do you do you have the results of that show?
1: Yes, I do. Um. So yeah, it was it, like you say, it was filmed in Washington DC the week of the first Dynamite. So that's why uh it had a bit of a sort of better crowd to it than um the Dynamite we're watching. Today, but yeah, the so the matches on that. Darby Allen defeated Shima. Um, you had an eight-man tag team match, the Hybrid Two, and Helico and Jack Evans versus the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Junior, as he was known as at that point, and Ray Phoenix. They were a team together, and they went on to defeat the best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Barreta and Private Party. Um, there was also a women's tag team match. Ali, uh, and Doctor Britt Baker. This was when Allie wasn't doing a bunny gimmick; she was just Ali. They beat B Priestley and Penelope Ford. And we also had a six man tag team match. SCU uh, defeated the Jurassic Express.
0: Okay, so that is a quick wrap up and look at AEW Dark. We will be doing that every week. Obviously, as the show goes on, more and more AEW stuff keeps getting added. Uh, You know, in like a year or so, we're going to be looking at Rampage as well. So we've got a little way to go yet before we get into that elevation obviously joins dark at some point and then we've got all the pay per views. so there's going to be a lot
1: yes i think the thing with dark as well we don't necessarily need to dwell on it too much yes there are going to be some matches and angles that are are, are interesting not necessarily overly important into the main narrative of um, aw as a whole but they have their, their their little place on dark so yeah we'll get to some matches later on um, that are definitely going to be worth talking about a little bit more at length
0: so we'll kind of treat it like a pre-show, at a pay-per-view, and kind of yeah. cover it, but not go into detail. Yeah. Okay, so you you mentioned uh, B Priestley in there having a match yep. on Dark last week. She is now coming out for the third match of the show. It is a tag team match, or as they used to be called in the olden days, a women's tag team Yes, because there's ladies Ooh, in there. Oh, fancy. <laughs> <laughs> B Priestley and Sakura versus Britt Baker. I, I like to call her face Britt Baker at this uh-huh. point. Yeah. Because it is a completely different character, and Rio. Yes,
1: the late women's champion.
0: So, who is B Priestley? Because she's sort of new to us.
1: Yeah, so she's um, she's one of ours. She's British. Um, She's been around the uh, sort of circuit for a long time. A prominent name in Stardom, uh, the Japanese uh, women's promotion. um, She was a a big name there. Uh, She came over and did some shows for AEW. she also worked New Japan not too long ago. She was a, an early member of the United Empire uh, with Osprey's faction. Uh, at the time, oh. her and Osprey were an item. New Japan don't, well, they're sort of building a, a women's title at the minute, uh, but they don't really have women's matches on their shows. Uh, so B Priestley was used as very much a sort of valet manager type, would get involved in the matches. But yeah, she wasn't a part of the faction for too long. Um, then she went back to the UK, um, joined NXT UK, uh, now that's folded she's called Blair Davenport in WWE and um, she's moved over to NXT proper now that NXT UK's folded so yeah she's over in in NXT doing her thing over there but yeah good good wrestler is Bea Priestley She like I say she's um has some very high profile women's matches as part of stardom she's been their champion previously um so yeah she's a good get for WWE I think she I think it, that WWE probably suits her more than AW did she, she looks
0: to me like someone that you can kind of book in that kind of Tessa Blanchard role without mm. it being so problematic. She's got that kind of mean face to her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she does also have black and green hair, which unfortunately on a lot of women does make them look like the female Gremlin.
1: Yes, we say unfortunately. There's a type for everyone.
0: Yeah, true, true. There's I've seen, I've seen worse women than the female <laughs> Gremlin. <laughs> um, so who is your favourite bee?
1: Oh, okay.
0: Is it B Priestley? Johnny B Good, Johnny B Bad, Johnny B Neutral, B Arthur, or everybody we know reads the B No. <laughs>
1: nice. No, he didn't include the killer bees. Well, there's two of them Brian B. Blair and the other one.
0: I was asking who your favourite ne- single is. Oh, Had I, I asked, what's your favourite bees? Yeah, they'd been. They've then I would have obviously. <laughs> what's your favourite
1: b based tag team? It's uh, got to be
0: Johnny B. Neutral
1: for me. Yeah, that's, it's good, isn't it? Johnny B. Neutral. He's, he's, you know, he's down the middle. He won't upset you. But So yeah, it will go with him. He sounds nice. He
0: has no strong opinions either way. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's what you need sometimes.
0: You you need one of them on every card, just so like they're never going to come to you as a booker and kind of go, what am I doing tonight? They're just mm. be like, yeah, that's fine.
1: Sitting on the fence, it's Johnny B. Neutral.
0: How do you feel about that match? It was okay. <laughs> Uh, that's a bit strong. That's yeah. a bit strong. That's fighting words, Johnny B. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He'll turn where he gets an opinion.
0: <laughs> so, back to the women's tag match. Uh, we have seen uh, Sakura. Is it Amy Sakura before? Amy Sakura. yeah. Yeah, we've seen her a bit before. She's a 24-year veteran and she trained Riho. We haven't got into her background too much, but we do know a little bit about this. Um, this talented ring veteran. Let's get into the match itself. What were your thoughts on this wrestling match?
1: Yeah, again, it was it was a good one. Um, I like kind of on these early shows they do have maybe more tag matches than they do now, and I think that was just a way to establish their roster and get some people out there as many people out there on a card as they could. It always it always throws me seeing these early shows with Britt Baker playing this kind of just babyface, not really much about her at this point she she hasn't developed a character um she's just very much a kind of a by the numbers baby face still very good in the ring but she just has not have the extra thing to set her above some of the other wrestlers so yeah seeing her in these early days it's, it's quite funny but um but yeah it, it was it was fine it was a good good match i, I like B pre so i like seeing her um rio always entertaining emmy's core like you say she's a, a wily veteran so she knows what she's doing in the ring um so it was good it was a, it was a nice little match
0: the, the thing that always gets me about Britt Baker at this time is exactly what you just said. But she's already got the perfect music. Uh-huh. That's intact. And she actually wins this match with her version of like the cripple cross-face mandible claw. Yeah, the yeah. The lock jaw, that's as she it. calls it. Yes. Well, that's not a face finisher, is it? Let's be fair.
1: That's the thing, because when she first puts it on, she doesn't go for the like the, the finger bit straight away. And I was like, oh, maybe she when she turns, that's when she starts doing it. But, oh, no, she does... She does lock it on. Obviously, she doesn't. Nowadays, she puts the, like the uh, the glove on a her, her dentist glove and adds a bit more panache to it. But yeah, I was surprised that she she went for that when she was this babyface character and she did the the tooth bit as well.
0: Yeah, I mean Mick Foley was playing a character that was totally unhinged, mm. and even when he went face, he softened it up by putting a sock on it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it it was weird to see it just kind of like I'm a nice face, I'm everyone's friend, I'm <laughs> waving at the crowd, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking tap you out with a mandible claw, <laughs> yeah. and then this really kind of pretentious heel music comes on. That's like mm. hmm, she's she's almost there, but as we've said before, Britt Baker is just one of those natural heel people. And Definitely, people don't always get it straight away, but once they do, uh-huh. <laughs> That's we're it. in for a ride. So the next segment is a best friends promo, and they've actually gone out and filmed a video <laughs> yeah. of them hugging.
1: Yeah. In a and field. this
0: promo consists of us seeing the video and then seeing Chuck Taylor watching the video <laughs> and going, That's just the best
1: video ever. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. It was such an odd thing. I don't know, I don't know what they were really thinking with it, to be honest.
0: I still don't get it. Yeah, but that's that's the most I've ever liked Chuck Taylor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but oh, they're, okay. they're out
0: there; they're doing their work. They um, they're setting up the fact they're going to be fighting SCU next week as part of the tag tournament, and mm-hmm. the lights go out. Yes, which should mean Dark Order, mm-hmm. but it could also mean Sean Spears, Cody Rhodes the house of black or any one of a dozen people who just require the lights to be black for a while
1: i mean tony Carr's made no secret what bigger fan of ecw was and that's an ecw trope isn't it the lights would go out and you weren't necessarily sure who was going to be there when they went back on it's a definite sort of nod to that i think with tony Carr. but like you say it could be anyone it's not like a ww if the lights go out it's probably the undertaker or kane um but yeah, in AEW, it could be absolutely anyone.
0: I mean, the thing was, in ECW, when the lights went out, no one would make the joke, did someone forget to pay the power bill? Yeah. There's a good chance no one had paid the power <laughs> yeah. bill. Yeah, don't
1: bring attention to it. It's
0: like, oh, did someone not pay the... Oh, we're off there, <laughs> yeah. And we're all out of a job. and <laughs> And no one's been paid for six months. And we're bankrupt. Oh... Mm-hmm. Great. So the lights go out, and it wasn't Dark Order. It was Sean Spears sitting on a chair.
1: Yeah. See, that's, it's again. This is like something we said last week. They haven't quite got the presentation with a few of their entrances sorted, because uh, when you've seen Sean Spears sort of this past year, for example, he still does the same sort of entrance with him sat on the chair. But there's like he'll sit there, and there'll be a bit of music. There's a bit of a whistle at the start of his um, music for when he's sat there. But yeah, t- this one, he was just sat there. Quiet, and then like he slammed the chair shut and his music and It didn't quite work. I you can see what they're going for, but they haven't quite polished it.
0: It's one of those things you've just got. To, you've got to stick with it for like eight to ten weeks and just hammer it home until it becomes normal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people probably forget this, but when Triple H first started calling himself the Game, mm. it was weird. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was like the Game. That's never going to catch on. <laughs> yeah. What? But yeah, you just keep going, you hammer it home, and it gets over. And Sean Spears' entrance has done that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is an odd one because you've got Sean Spears, who's kind of get, uh, getting over as a bad guy. Yeah. And he's doing exactly the same thing that Moxley is doing, but getting massive face heat for <laughs> <all> doing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very true. I mean, like Mox, Mox is sort of a bit of a tween here because he's doing very heel things with the crowd loving him. Yeah. Textbook early Austin. Exactly yeah. But but Sean Spears does exactly the same stuff, and he's just an asshole. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, he's Canadian, isn't he? So, you know.
0: Oh, that'll be it. That'll be it. This will be your favourite bit of the night, though. Pack on commentary.
1: <laughs> it's always a treat, isn't it? Comes out in his, in in his wrestling gear. gear. Yeah, he I hasn't got that. clothes. He that. hasn't got clothes. That is just him.
0: It's E O E A M, and Pack <laughs> is in the Big Brother House. <laughs> you must have loved this. Um, once they turned his mic on anyway.
1: (laughs) Yes. Again, I think this was a lot of the, like Sean Spears entrance and whatnot was during a break because there was a lot of fumbling of microphones and stuff wasn't there going on which, I, again, I don't think we were meant to see or hear.
0: Yeah, there's a whole Sean Spears com- um, like promo there, lost to time.
1: That's right, yeah. Yeah, we can't hear it because the mics aren't right.
0: But we get it in time for the Tully one, yeah, which, is, yeah. which is good. Cause I think that's probably when they were back on TV. Yes, that's it. There's a good chance it was just in the arena, like mm. the, the Sean Spears part of the program. and they all heard it fine. Yeah, maybe. They seemed to be responding. Yeah. But it, yeah. Didn't, it didn't really take away anything. And like, as much as these TV problems are a bit weird, I still think the presentation on, on this whole show is so much better than Dynamite episode one just yeah. a week ago oh definitely like yeah. for a week for a week apart it's amazing how much tighter it's all got
1: yes I agree
0: so Moxley comes out good old Dean Ambrose um, although he's not he's very different I remembered uh, while I was watching this a comment from our friend Andy um, mm-hmm. who said that Dean Ambrose is a bit unbalanced the CEX shop <laughs> assistant's choice <laughs> that's it and it's just That has always stuck with me. I didn't really ever kind of like, Dean Ambrose showed up. I know you love The Shield. Dean Ambrose didn't really stick in my head until I heard that comment from Andy. And it's just always, (laughs) anytime I see Ambrose, (laughs) that's what I think.
1: Yeah, Um, it is a good call. I mean, this is one of the rare appearances of uh, Moxley in wrestling trunks as well.
0: does look a bit odd and it doesn't help the fact that he has been a bit ill leading into this match.
1: Mm. Yeah, he had his elbow thing, didn't he?
0: Yeah, if you had like, I I think it's something close to a staph infection or a type of staph infection. If you had an infection in your elbow, wouldn't you wear an elbow pad?
1: You'd think that would be your first thing to do, wouldn't it? Or at least one of those like skin things, like support things, just something on it. It's
0: not hard, but he is, so he can't. He's too hard, that's the problem. John Moxley can't use plasters. (laughs) (laughs) He's just too tough, man. He is. Uh, What were your thoughts on this match?
1: I thought it started out. Quite bad. Um, it was it was quite sloppy to start with, but they they found a groove eventually. Um, it went on quite long as well. It was just under twelve minutes. Yeah, but at first I was like, oh, this isn't a good showing for either one of these guys because obviously Moxley was one of their big gets. Sean Spears, they're given a decent push to at this point. I was like, this isn't helping either guy. But yeah, they found their groove eventually, and it it turned into something decent.
0: Yeah, I mean it was a quick start to the match, which I kind of liked because you know Moxley's. He's he's there to fight. Yeah, uh, and even if it wasn't a wrestling match, he'd be out there looking for a fight. That's his gimmick. Mm-hmm. But like you say, it wasn't it wasn't the best start really. Yeah, and it wasn't helped with Jim Ross kind constantly pointing out the refereeing inconsistencies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think probably the biggest problem with it was simply that we already had Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen two matches ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, very similar. Layout wasn't it,
0: and I think that's probably the only problem with this match. Is mm. it was just we just we just seen it, yeah, true. And it's a shame when that happens because that's you can't blame the wrestlers for that. That is, no. just, that is just booking, and you're going to get those little booking teething problems because you know it's still early days, isn't it?
1: Exactly, yeah, very much so.
0: But I felt the match finished right, it mm-hmm. finished strong. Yeah, Mox used the paradigm shift, you're getting that move over, um, yep. and then we get an awful lot of afterbirth where. Everyone's, it's all kicking off after the match. Everyone's beating up everyone else. And then we have Kenny coming out.
1: Yeah, with his barbed wire bat and his barbed wire uh, broom.
0: Yep, I love that. And <laughs> I love I the fact that he threw one down to Miles yeah. as well. It's like, we're going to fight because of what you did to me last week. It's mm-hmm. on, but we both get a weapon. Yeah, Cause, yeah. Cause I'm cool. an honourable man and you're an honourable man. That's and we're going to do this shit. It was good camera framing, but it was very obvious that Pac was just off camera and about oh, to yeah. run in. Yeah, definitely. And especially with the commentator saying, Oh well Pac's just left the commentary area. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. Pac running, gets involved, big schmals. And then actually as I was watching this, I was thinking, Oh, this is this is a good way to end the show really. Like mm. Yeah. If if they'd ended the show with everyone kicking off and fighting here. That would be cool, but mm. don't worry—they've got that covered. We've still got that. To come. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of it, the kind of the bigger story was Kenny's taken out by Pax's chair shot, uh-huh. and Mox is there with the weapon in hand—the weapon that was presented to him by Kenny—and it's like, yeah. well, this is a guy I've been going after for months. Mm-hmm. I finally got him where I want him, not like this, and he exactly. throws the bat down and walks off. Yeah, it was cool. So even even Mox, the the escaped criminal convict with a chequered past <laughs> and a CEX gift card. He He's still got morals. Uh, oh, he yes, has.
1: And he's got to go and drink all that Young Bucks drink that we've, they've established. Because obviously you work working CX, you're into Monster and the like, aren't you? He? So he's going to go and crack open... A
0: can of Red Buck. That's it. It's got a super kick to it. <laughs> it would not be a podcast without a sponsor segment. Uh, but we are not sponsored by crappy mobile phone video games. Yet. This episode is sponsored by independent publishers B-Star Kitty Press, who helped me publish my first novel and my second novel, and also my wife's novel, Anadonia. Uh, Currently free to download on Amazon for Kindle tablet or app. If you haven't got a Kindle tablet, you can download the application on pretty much any device. So just search Anadonia or Nico Resnick on Amazon. Thanks, B-Star. So here we are. We are at the fifth match of the night. It is the main event. It is Dustin Rhodes and Adam Page versus Sammy and Jericho. And I have a question for you. It's an important question. Oh, go I on. I meant to ask last week because it was... I think I knew what the answer was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I definitely meant to ask it last week and forgot. Who is your favourite Sammy? Is it Sammy Guevara? Sammy Zayn? Fireman Sam? <laughs> Sammy Hagar or Sam Owejo? I'm
1: trying to think of another Sam... Sam I think Sam.
0: Sam Owejo. Come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a good one. That is his real name. It's um, so
0: hard to pronounce that. I've written that down three times phonetically.
1: <laughs> Fireman Sam is good, though, because he's got it's that little Welsh kid in it. Oh, ma'am. I liked him. He was good. I'm going Sammy Hagar, though. I'm going to stick with that from last show he came up and it will come up again so I'm sticking with with Sammy Hagar the red rocker I think he's known as
0: yeah that's definitely the answer I was expecting and it's also why that was supposed to be the last week's show but I forgot
1: (laughs) we got her eventually it was worth saving
0: so you kind of know what you're going to get with this match here really uh Sammy and Jericho we know they're the inner circle now so it's the old veteran with the uh wily young whippersnapper yeah teaming up against Dustin, the really old veteran. Yes. <laughs> and Adam Page, the slightly less young whippersnapper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a decent match overall. Give me a run for Pete.
1: Yeah, it was good. So, yeah, we had uh, Adam Page and Dustin Rose, obviously not a, a team as such, but they they paired together quite nicely. Um, You hear Jim Ross sort of make some comments to Shivani, like this is very reminiscent of sort of NWA stuff where Dustin was a young up and comer and he was teaming with a few sort of veterans at the time and it was kind of a, a a swap around for that. So Dustin this time's now the veteran, he's teaming with this this cowboy. Obviously he's got these Texas roots for the Rhodes and Adam Page. So that was cool, it's a nice little team. And um, it was nice to see obviously they're developing the inner circle. So Jericho and Sammy less sex gods as they become their little parent gets known as. Um they have a few little sort of run of tag team matches together. And it was good. It was, it was a nice dynamic having two veterans that have been there, done everything, teaming up with some sort of new blood. It, it's, it's good. That's how a, a tag team should work, I think. If they're maybe not like a they're going to be a tag team full time, but if you're going to pair some people together, have it be a veteran and a, a young guy, because that's how they're going to learn and get better. So it, it was good for that, for sure.
0: I mean, there was a whole period of wrestling where tag teams were just used to minimise the amount of ring work old mm. guys needed. Yes. Yeah, I it. mean, you, you get to those the last 10 years of Andre the Giant matches where he had to basically be with someone in a tag team and there had to be a decent size guy in a tag team Yeah, because their main job was holding him up on the way to ring and during promos. That's it. And it, uh, it's, it's so sad to see the last few years of Andre. Oh, for sure. He shouldn't have been doing I know he felt he owed Vince McMahon Senior something he promised to look after Mm. Uh, Vinnie Mac but just he he should have stopped before he did and I think he could have got into films because he was so good in Princess. Yeah Party.
1: yeah it's, it's a shame is I think all that sort of stuff probably just came a bit too late for him didn't it and he was just in no condition to do that sort of stuff and it, it is a shame.
0: It, the saddest Andre the Giant line ever uh, people asked him how he found working on a film set and he said it's my favourite thing I've ever done and they said, Why is it your favourite thing you've ever done? And he said, Because no one looks at me.
1: Well right. Wow.
0: I'm not out of place here. Yeah. I'm just an actor on a film set. And that got me, man. That's Yeah, like, that's Jesus. rough. No. Uh Princess Bride Kids, ask your parents. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Trust us. Oh, it's a great film. It's a really great film. So yeah, there was a it's a solid match. It's what you expect for a tag team match. It sort of is, to be fair. It is sort of all prelude to the post match beat down. Yeah, definitely. Really. But there are a few good things to look out for. Adam Page, he does a good full away slam, or as it's known in the industry, the sack of shit. Yeah, that's and right. What he does here is he, he bridges it. He does a bridged sack of shit. Yes. I don't think I've seen that before. It's really nice. Yeah, I mean, it's you good. Can't, it's a momentum move, not a power move. So you have to, if you're going to bridge it, it becomes a power move. Yeah. And yeah. you have to have someone a bit smaller. And we talked about the sack of shit on the show before, but i tell you a move that you don't really see in AEW, mm-hmm. which is of a similar vernacular, which I think we should explain to our audience, and that is the move we always christen the fat fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I've spoken to people in other federations as well, and if you say to them the fat fuck, they know exactly <laughs> which, which one of two moves it is. So... There's, the fat fuck is either you've picked up the man you're fighting. You're a larger gentleman. Mm-hmm. You've picked your opponent up, but you're not quite proficient enough to do a basic scoop slam. <laughs> so you just you get them up to chest height, like you, you've caught them from a cross body, and you just fall forward with them. Yes. And the other variation of the fat fuck is you're not holding them. They're already on the ring in a position as if you just dropped them. And you just fall over onto them. <laughs> yeah. And I remember once years ago we were having a mattress on the back garden, and we said to the guy, we said, Do the fat fuck. He's what's that? It's a jump on him. He's like, I can't. I was like, just fall over. I don't know how. <laughs>
1: yeah. Not the best wrestler, really, if you can't fall over, but
0: that no, he didn't he didn't follow us indoors.
1: No, funny that. <laughs>
0: Uh, another thing to look out for in this match is a really good job of selling from uh, Sammy Guevara when he takes the discus lariat from Adam Page. He does it's it's a thing I like where he's kind of his hands are kind of outstretched just before he gets hit, and when he's on the mat selling, he kind of keeps his arms outstretched still yes. in a kind of almost fetal hand position. <laughs> yeah. That's very nice. But but by far the funniest moment in this match, and it's such a subtle thing, and it's very hard to explain. There's a bit where Dustin, he's had the hot tag, he's on fire, he's beating up everyone, and he gives someone a atomic drop, and then he does the most matter-of-fact direct <laughs> walk to the turnbuckle. <laughs> it's really funny, and yeah, go back, go back and watch it again. It's just so amusing. I couldn't explain why, but when you see it, it's just like so. It's just so routine because I guess after 32 years, mm. it is just routine. Yeah, yeah. But it's so amusing, <laughs> I've been cracking up on the floor. Excellent. And here's here's a rare one. I've got to say something complimentary about Jake Hagar. Oh, go on. Because uh, old Adam Page takes a powder over the top rope, and Hagar waffles him with. A really nice looking clothesline.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: It's it's nothing. It's nothing special. It's just a really nice clothesline. He lays it in perfectly. Yeah. Page really bumps for it. Cracks his head in the mat. You can see the sweat is just head not back <laughs> nice. on the uh, on the ring mats. Uh, but unfortunately, that move is then followed up by Hagar getting in the ring and giving someone the shittest clothesline I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It
1: had to even out, didn't it?
0: Yeah. So he gives with one hand and he takes away <laughs> with the other. Such a shame. Uh, So Jericho hits the Judas effect on Dustin. Mm -hmm. You want to do it on the veteran, so as not to harm Adam Page's rub i mean yep. adam page has already obviously been pinned by jericho so you don't want to do that again yeah it's getting the judas effect over the second you see that judas effect even though there's still a good seven minutes left on the show mm. you know it's over yeah they built that move up perfectly yep so there's a beat down everyone's getting a beat down from the inner circle mm. who stormed the ring even though they've won you, you know that's just what heels do and that's yep. kind of the story of the show really is who are these guys that ended last week's show it's the inner circle and at the end of the show, it's the inner circle. And I'm actually... I was really surprised the final shot of the show wasn't the inner circle, stood in the ring, paralleling what they did the week before. Yeah. But instead, they did what looked to me like a go-home show. Like, it's like, it's a pay-per-view next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Cody, Cody the White runs out. He's obviously... Like, someone must have murdered him and he's come back kind of Gandalf-style, <laughs> completely in white. Yeah. So then Satana and Ortiz have to run out. Mm-hmm. Then MJF, huge pop for MJF.
1: That was great, the MJF moment as well.
0: And they do, once again, they bait the, yeah. They bait the, which way go? so is he going to go? So good. going to waffle? Ah, oh, yeah, so good.
1: And how he reacts afterwards as well. He just <laughs> plays to the crowd so much. And it is too much as well. And It's perfect. It's It's so good.
0: Whenever he plays face, even if it's just for five minutes after he's come back off injury, yeah. the way he overplays it is yeah, yeah. just brilliant. It's, <laughs> it's masterful. Still, It still carries on, so then you've got to get the Bucks out there as well. Yeah. At which point Jericho does the walk away with the belt, because as the commentators say, the belt is really the only thing that Chris Jericho cares about. Mm-hmm. Which is true, really, that is his character. He talks about how he's... This inner circle guy, but really, it's it's the Jericho show, isn't it? Oh, yeah, completely. So, throwing Darby into that main event picture, ready for Dynamite episode three next week. Darby comes down on his skateboard, down the ramp, waffly pip into Jezza. <laughs> yeah. Waffly pip being, obviously, a highly technical British wrestling term. Mm, yes. For hitting. <laughs> so, that was Dynamite week two.
1: It was good. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. No, I, I really liked it. There's some strong narrative building for it, like I said, with the inner circle stuff. Still, part of me thinks that it should have been the last shot, but I see why it wasn't. Yeah. If I had to have a complaint about the show, um, I felt the first first four matches, probably it started to feel a bit similar, like tag team single, tag team single. Yeah, true. And the fact that match two and four were quite as similar as they were. Yeah, yeah. With the way guys did stuff, but you know we can't lament on that because it's already been discussed. Overall, really nice show. Uh, what was your favourite match?
1: Um, probably the tag match to start it. Um, Bucks versus Private Party. It was it was an exciting, exciting match. And it wasn't really like any of the others on the show. Like you say, we had two that were similar. So yeah, it's, it's got to be the, the tag tournament match for me.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that. Just If only just for the finish, I really yeah, didn't yeah. see Private Party winning. So good on them for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and who do you think was the MVP? Who came off looking best all night?
1: Oh, uh, I think it's Jerich It was Jericho's night. That promo was just perfect, wasn't it? And he, when you saw it, see him stood with that belt. It just looks right. Like sometimes when a wrestler has a championship, it doesn't quite fit. But Jericho with that title, it just yeah, chef's kiss. He just look looks the business, and yeah, he established that faction beautifully. And everyone got a rub. I like that line when the crowd were chanting "We the People," and it's like he just shut that down masterfully. That's that a, was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. bad creative. And it's just like that. That stopped it, and you never hear it again. It was, yeah, it was so good.
0: Yeah, uh, that's my choice as well. So we're in complete agreement there. Um, uh, I do have a parenthesis on that though. It's like very nearly like I think Derby next week. Like my prediction for next week is Darby's going to be the MVP. Right. If if the main event goes as well as I think it will, they did so much good work in this show to build. Derby right yes. at the end. The yeah. match, the match, not so much. Uh-huh. But the way he went over at the end of the match, the way he just can't really be beaten. Hmm. Um, they built, they built him really well. So I'm, I'm dead chuffed with this. I'm really looking forward to Dynamite episode three because it's all new to me.
1: Yes, true, very true.
0: But I has left me with one what if question. Just to wrap up the show, okay. we're going into the realm of speculation at this point. What if at that great moment where. MJF is stood in the ring with the chair deciding do I save Cody or attack Roddy what if at that point MJF had waffled Cody and fully aligned himself with the inner circle yeah. what does AEW look like now if he'd done that
1: very good point yeah um yeah I think I think that would have been that could have been something obviously it happens later on but I think that could have probably overshone Jericho a bit at this point um because the fans, even though MJF's probably new to a lot of people at this point, he you knew you knew what he was and what he was about. Um, and you know, I think it, it probably could have hurt the faction a bit. It, they they may have even done like a Jericho leaves and MJF takes over type angle if that happened so early.
0: I think you'd sort of have to, yeah, because MJF and Jericho, they're a bit too powerful mm. in their presence and the way they promote. And it's... There would be that. I mean, you could do quite a nice story for a while out of it of the tug of war of leadership. Yeah, yeah. But like Jericho's character wouldn't really put up with it. Mm-hmm. Like he's been around too long. He's too. He's too kind of. He's seen it all before. The second he has someone like that who's kind of stealing his thunder and getting a bit of the cred and the getting the crowd on his side with great promos, Jericho would be like. Nah, mate. Nah. So it wouldn't really last. It would get shut down and we'd be probably right back where we are anyway. Yeah, yeah. So our what-if speculation just loops itself out into (laughs) the timeline we already have. Phew. Neat and tidy. (laughs) Right, well, brilliant. That was Dynamite Episode 2. We will be back next week, of course, with Dynamite Episode... Hang on, 2 plus 1... Episode 3 of Dynamite... Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, where can they find you, Pete?
1: I'm on Twitter, at Pitwa. Uh, I'm on Instagram for all your comic stuff, uh, Pitwa80. And we've got a Facebook page for the podcast. If you want to just double-check when we're going live and what we're doing and all that sort of stuff, uh, search for Double View Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and give us a follow.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter at CZ hazard, And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at AEW. So give us a like, follow, subscribe, tell all your friends. And if you've got it in you to give us a share on social media and tell people why you enjoy the show, that would be grand, wouldn't it? Oh,
1: would be lovely.
0: That'd be nice. Okay, everyone, thank you for listening. We will be back next week with episode three of Dynamite. I was expecting you to say something. Oh, I didn't. Probably end it there then. (laughs) Bye.
1: So long.